So in this passage, we are going to be looking at this episode from Luke chapter 20, where Jesus talks about marriage at the resurrection. Now, one of the things I like to do if I'm uh, walking through a, a graveyard or a cemetery, uh, which I am from time to time, is um, just to, to look at the headstones, look at the, the memorials to see what's been written. And one of the popular ones for a couple that have been, um, you know, married couple who've been uh, buried together is it, it will often say uh, together again. And I think that usually it means you know, not just together again, as in, you know, sort of physically buried in the same place, but together again, you know, um, spiritually or in terms of heaven or whatever. And at the last funeral that I did um, last year, it said <clears throat> uh, the, the, the um, daughter of the, the deceased asked, you know, um, whether there was something in the Bible about two spirits coming together and, you know, that um, this was sort of being reunited with a husband sort of a thing. And um, you know, people have got all sorts of, of strange ideas about um, heaven. And uh, this is why I think it's important to look at passages like this, you know, because we think we know about heaven. We think we have an idea. But what Jesus does in this passage is he, he disabuses us of our notions about thinking that we know all about heaven and thinking that we, we understand all about it. And instead, uh, he, he gives us the, the picture of, of God, you know, the picture from the Bible. So the Sadducees, this, this, this whole thing um, kicks off because of the Sadducees. And it says in here, verse 27, some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. And we know this from, from here. And also they're mentioned again in Acts uh, chapter 23 and verse 8, which is quite an interesting um, uh, little episode. And Paul is on trial, and in, in Acts 23 verse 8 it says, The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. And it was a dispute uh, with Paul, the, the apostle. Uh, and so the Sadducees, they say there's no resurrection or no angels. Uh, and that's why they come uh, to Jesus. This is the issue at hand. And if you recall from the previous uh, weeks, what's going on here is we're in a time when the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're all coming up to test Jesus. They're sort of questioning his authority. So that's what's going on through this, this whole um, section. And they ask a question and they said, Moses wrote for us, uh, that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now this is uh, called Leverite marriage, and this was a law from, the, from Moses, from the, from the Old Testament. Now the scenario that they give is highly contrived. You know, it's quite unlikely, but it's just to, it's just to prove the point, you know, to say that um, this poor woman, um, you know, that all of the, these men died, and uh, with no children, then the widow dies. You know, whose wife will she be at the resurrection? And there, you know, it's like they're saying, aha, we've got you there, Jesus. You know, we've, we're clever. You know, there, there's, it's the logic, you see. Um, we've got you. They assume that they know what the resurrection will be like. And so the question that they ask Jesus is based on their assumptions about the resurrection. Uh, and Jesus, he, he replies to them and he says this, the people of this age marry 
and are given in marriage. So he says that marriage is something which is only for this age. It's not something that will, that will persist in the, uh, the new creation. And I think it's interesting uh, that he says those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Just wonder if that was a little kind of um, warning to the Sadducees at that, that point, you know, those who are considered worthy, you know, just think about whether you're considered worthy to be part of the resurrection. Uh, but the, the, he says that the age to come will be different. The age to come, it won't be like, like our times at the moment. Now, why will that be? And he says that's because they can no longer die for they're like the angels. So the, the big difference between this age now and the age to come will be death. And particularly that it will be absent from the age to come. There will be no more death. That's the, that's the big thing. Now, think about what that could, would do to marriage. You couldn't have marriage anymore because you know, in marriage, in the words of the, the, the uh, marriage service, it, it is till death us do part. And if there's no more death, then you can't say that anymore. So there can't be, there can't be marriage. And so the Sadducees didn't, didn't understand. <clears throat> and this is the important thing to, to note that what Jesus is saying here, that the resurrection transforms the way that we look at life. You now the resurrection changes our, our perspective, or it should change our perspective. You know, that we often, the, the way that we think is often limited because of the way that we think in, in worldly terms. You know, we think about things coming to an end, we think about, about death, and, and this is our only experience. You know, we don't have the imagination to think what things could be like uh, without death. Uh, and this is the problem, that we need to have our uh, imaginations transformed by, uh, by the Lord. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And I just think that's, that's a lovely passage, you know, to think that all of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You know, that uh, no human mind has conceived it. You know, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Our minds haven't even conceived of these things. And what the Sadducees were doing is they were trying to, uh, to trap Jesus by their own limited imaginations. Uh, but actually, they should have been, uh, they should have, you know, trusted God that actually he can do more uh, than what we can do. And, um, and so Jesus, he, he says, firstly, that, that the, the resurrection life will just be different, perhaps in ways that we can't even imagine now. And then he, he gives this, um, this proof of the resurrection because the Sadducees have been doubting the resurrection. So he gives a scriptural proof from, uh, from the Bible. And he says... <clears throat> I in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And what Jesus, uh, I think, means here is that in doing that, 
When Moses said he's the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, what he means is he's got to be the God of the living because God made promises to them. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And in order for God's promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to be fulfilled, then they needed to be alive. You know, that, that's the thing. And so this is what he says. He's not the God of the dead, but, the God, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. So when you know, God makes a promise, God keeps it. And um, to, to God, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are not dead. Uh, but they are living and and he says all in fact all are are alive <clears throat> and um and so the the teachers of the law they had nothing and the sadducees they had nothing to um the teacher of the law said well said and and at this point no one could say anything to him you know jesus silences uh, his his interrogators <clears throat> and it kind of uh, you know leads to the question well who is the one who has the authority to teach and to lead his people? Because it, it seems it's not the teachers of the law, is it? And it's not the Sadducees. No, but Jesus is the one who has authority. He's the one that we need to listen to because uh, no one can beat his, uh, his wisdom. So what, do, what should we make of this passage? Let's, uh, let's draw a few conclusions as we uh, make our way towards the end. <clears throat> I think the first thing is that point about imagination. Now, that so often we have uh, limited imaginations, and and so often we we think we know better than God, even if we don't sort of come out and say that. I think you know we we need to have our our imagination uh, transformed by God and by by what God uh, can do. This is what it says in. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 <clears throat> when I can, uh, can find it Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us so God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or or imagine you know when we come to God when we pray to him we are, we are praying to a God who can do more than we, we ask, more than we imagine, not less. And I think so often we limit the things that we pray for because we think, oh, God couldn't really do that. And, you know, we limit what we ask for. But actually, God can do immeasurably more than that. And, you know, we need to have a trust in God that he's able and powerful to do, to do more than what we ask. Um, and you know this is significant in in today's uh, society i think and this is kind of leads on to, to what i was going to say about um, the next thing which is uh, how we engage with the world now glenn harrison wrote a book uh, a few uh, about two years ago now i think and it's called a better story a better story by glenn harrison and in that book he argues that we as christians need to be showing the world uh, uh, what life should be like and what life can be like in God's, in God's ways. You know, how God's ways are better than, than the world's ways. That's what it's important to, uh, to be thinking about and to be showing the world. I think so often Christians, I think, just, just copy the world. You know, we basically look like the world and just reflect back um, you know, to the world, its values, maybe with a Christian veneer. 
But what Glenn Harrison said, and, and what I believe is, you know, the Bible teaches, is that we need to have our, our imagination completely transformed about what life can and should be like. You know, we shouldn't have our imaginations kind of limited by this world and by what this world thinks life should be like and by what this world thinks is a good life. But we should rather seek God, seek our imaginations to be transformed, to show the world the goodness and splendour and wonder of what God, what life is like with God and all of his plans for us and living life with him. Now we should be seeking to show the, the goodness of that. We should be, as Jesus called us, the light of the world, you know, a city on a hill, uh, the light of the world. And um, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he also said, you are the light of the world, you know, to, to us, to Christians. And this is the case that we should be showing the world the light of what life is like with God. And uh, I think we need to trust, the final thing, that we need to trust that God has more in store for us than we know. God has more in store for you and me than we can possibly imagine at the moment. You just think about that for a moment. Now, isn't that amazing that God has greater plans for, for you and me than we can even imagine? And doesn't that give us hope? Doesn't that give us strength in our present circumstances? I, I don't even necessarily mean just simply the lockdown um, or you know, the way that society is at the moment, but, but in everything. You know, it gives us the power to endure, to endure hardship and to do things like this. Because we know that whatever we may go through, that God has something even greater planned for us. And those plans may be for this life, um, but certainly they are for the life to come. And that's something that we can give thanks for. So let's uh, trust in the Lord and let's pray and ask him that he would uh, give us transformed imaginations as we uh, seek to show the world what life is like with him and especially as we look ahead to the life to come the resurrection life let's take a moment to to pray together heavenly father we thank you uh, for the resurrection and we thank you for the way that it it changes everything and we pray that you would help us to be people who trust in you who have transformed imaginations who are not limited by what this world says, but who look instead to the life to come and to uh, what life can be like with you. And we pray that we would live uh, in this transformed way and show the world your goodness in the ways that we live. So please help us and uh, please transform us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.